Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to How Are You, the Wellbeing Podcast. This week's guest is new mum, life coach, the most real, raw and honest new mum, I think, on social media right now. Um, I'm absolutely loving it. It's the fabulous, gorgeous Charlotte Jonesy. Welcome to How Are You, Charlotte. Hi, Connie. It's lovely to be here. I was actually thinking earlier on, like years ago we met and it was through L'Oreal, wasn't it? And now we're here years later as mums. (laughs) I know, I know, it's crazy. (laughs) I literally just went and grabbed my lunch and I was thinking, wow, like when we first met, we weren't mums. We were so consumed in makeup and such really insignificant things and like how how life has changed yeah I mean (laughs) it's really funny because I thought oh do you know what because I'm going to be on video for once like I'm actually going to do my makeup but I rarely get a chance to actually do it anymore and I just remember sitting there for hours doing makeup years ago (laughs) whereas now I literally don't even have like 10 minutes to do it I know having a baby literally puts so much into perspective um I'm going to obviously talk so much more you've gone on such a whirlwind of a journey with motherhood as well it's it's definitely not been an easy one and I just love how honest you've been so we'll talk more about that because there'll be so many women and mums expectant mums new mums that will need to hear what you have to say but before I get on to that I want to ask you the first question of the podcast which is always how are you uh good actually I mean it's been a rocky road I mean you mentioned that just a minute ago um from the beginning of being a mum. Um, it definitely took me by surprise. Uh, I mean, I actually came into becoming a mum. I, I, what I had expectations of being this type of mum that I thought I was going to be. And then it completely took me by surprise. And I ended up with, uh, I mean, I had postnatal depression, the baby blues definitely lasted longer than I thought they would. Um, I've come out of that now, but I was in and out of hospital because I had a C-section infection. And I feel like I finally come over like all of the hurdles and I'm finally feeling like, okay, I'm at the four month stage and it's now starting to get a little bit easier where you've got more of a routine. You kind of understand your baby a little bit more, but I won't lie. It was, it was hardcore for the first few months. Um, and it was pretty intense, but I, you know, I feel good today apart from the 4am wake up call. 
or 2 a.m. every other day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Do you know, I can relate to you so much and I would watch your stories and you'd be emotional and like, you know, you would share the struggles and the highs, of course. Like we all, there's no doubt that we all love our babies so much, but sharing those lows as well as those highs is to me just as important because I feel like that that wasn't shown on social media enough and all I saw was like houses that were completely tidy and everyone was wearing white and you know everyone's smiling and the mum is like bounce back and she's drinking green smoothies and I thought that's what I was going to be like which was so naive and stupid I didn't think I was going to bounce back I kind of I kind of knew that that wasn't going to be the case but you know what I'm trying to say yeah definitely and I I did think I was going to bounce back because I exercised all throughout my pregnancy. I thought, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bounce back in terms of the way that my body looks. I'm going to bounce back in terms of my energy levels. And I actually was kidding myself. But the thing is, it's because I was looking at other people on social media and because they did portray this perfect ideal of what a mum should be and they looked amazing and you know holding their babies and uh, you know what I actually admire those women but I wish that I had more people like yourself Connie as well like that were sharing more of the highs and the lows because there is a lot of lows as well as highs being a mum and I wish that I had more of that information you definitely don't get it by the midwives as well like you kind of you have this expectation going into like this baby bubble that you're going to like feel wonderful and it's all going to be amazing. And actually, because you don't feel like that after birth, you're like, what's wrong? Like, why don't I feel like this? Why don't I feel like over the moon to have a baby? And yeah, I definitely didn't feel like that at all. I com- I completely felt the opposite, but I felt like nobody spoke about that. And it was almost like it's taboo to speak about not feeling like that about your baby and I think more people more women do need to speak about this and that's why I've kind of gone down this route which I never ever thought my social media would become about motherhood but I actually feel like there is a need for it um like there's definitely I think what we're doing Connie is kind of filling the gap where there is women that need to hear that there is women that need to see it otherwise they feel like they're doing a bad job because they're not like this Instagram perfect mum that we that we keep seeing and look if you've got all your shit together and you've got everything together and you're doing a fabulous job then amazing kudos to you but not everyone can do it in that way and also if you choose to only show the perfect parts of motherhood on your Instagram because that is your style then good for you but just be aware of I guess consequences in a way something like motherhood shouldn't be sugar-coated it's like the most important role that a, a mother or father can can take on and therefore it needs to be shown in all its glory you know you know every part of it you know we can relate to each other so much I was exactly the same as you Actually, there's a slight difference there. I think I, I, I saw you posted the other day that you actually weren't that much of a maternal person. So your Leo was a surprise. So that would have been hard as well. But for me, I've always been so maternal. We'll talk we'll talk more about um your pregnancy and, and how you coped with that surprise. But before we go on to that, I was the most maternal person. I've always wanted four kids. I still would love four kids, but 
the reality of juggling my career and four children is starting to hit me more and more every day. And when I had Macy, that love bubble didn't hit me straight away. Obviously, I loved her, but my love was more of a survival protection, almost like animal-like where, right, this human is mine. I need to keep it alive, fed well. And like, I just went into some weird, crazy, exhausted like robot. Yeah, I mean, my mum and Ricky always say to me, like, you have to stop saying that. Like, you cope so well, you're amazing. And I was like, I don't remember it. I don't, I can't even register what was going on. I was just automatic pilot, you know? It's such a weird, I can't even explain it, but it definitely wasn't what I expected and it definitely wasn't a love bubble. You know, I didn't even want to go out for a walk with the baby in the pusher because I was like, but what what about when she needs a feed? What do I do then? You know, I just lost all my sort of common sense and confidence. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things that I really struggled with after birth is my identity. Like you all of a sudden go from, you know, you're pregnant and whether you like being pregnant or not. I mean, I actually did really love being pregnant and you go from like having this bump and going through this journey and then you're like, okay, now I've got this human to look after. And I did have these moments of like, oh my, I can't do this. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like, I don't feel like myself. I don't know who I am anymore. Um, Am I just a mum? Can I get my old life back? I honestly did have moments where I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't, I don't want to be here. I genuinely did. And I'll never forget, like, I literally was standing in the shower and I was just thinking to myself, I just want to slip over and hit my head and not be here. Like, that's how bad it got to the point where, you know, I'm, my little one was just I mean we had some real issues with Leo at the beginning anyway and I feel I feel guilty for feeling like that because I absolutely adore him now he's my he's my everything I look at him I just smile my heart could actually burst like with how much I love him but I think when you're in that kind of postnatal depression state and you lose your identity and you don't know how to kind of get it back you yeah you don't know what to do with yourself and you're just kind of a bit like you just said Connie you're like surviving you're just getting through day by day but um I think yeah one of the biggest things you lose your confidence because you actually you've never done this before and you're kind of out outside of your comfort zone as well I don't know what I was where I was going with that Connie <laughs> I've kind of lost it. No, you were just you were just basically agree agreeing with everything I said. And gosh, like how sad is that that you 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 got that low? But I can understand. I remember Macy having witching hours for like two hours at a time, and I do feel like fathers are getting a lot better. They're a lot more hands on. Like Ricky was there with me every single step of the way. Couldn't have done it without him. It would take over when it got too much for me. But sometimes I found it hard because you know when you're looking at them and you're like, that's not the way to do it. But you have to. You have to realize that they have their way, you have your way. The baby will get used to each each of your ways. They need to get used to both of you. And I do think in this modern world, you know, you need support and a child is raised by many people because, you know, both parents have to work or if you're a single mom or a single dad, you have to work to support your family. So you need that support network. I couldn't have done it with without Ricky and without my mom and our families and stuff like that. But what I was thinking with your postnatal depression, I'm obviously no expert whatsoever, but just as an observation, and you might disagree, which is absolutely fine, but do you feel like it could have been also the fact that one, 
Leah was a surprise. So that is a massive shock. You had to get used to get your head around the fact that you were having a baby. Then your birth wasn't the birth that you wanted and you ended up having a C-section, which is obviously you give birth and C-section is just as amazing. But if it's not what you had planned, that's hard to take on. And then you had your infections. It was a pandemic. You had issues with Leah. Was it feeding that you had issues with? Yeah, he's got he's got a dairy allergy. Oh, well, that's really, really so hard. So he's got a cow's milk allergy, which we later found out. Yeah, hardcore. <laughs> yeah. But I had also issues with breastfeeding as well. So all of these things, this series of events, it does not surprise me that you suffered with anxiety, depression, postnatal, and, you know, I don't think my hormones actually leveled out until Macy was about one years of age. So if you're still feeling moments of like, oh my God, who am I? What am I doing? This is really hard. Then you're not alone because I, it took me a good year because I like you, I'm a career woman. And that was felt like it had just been taken away from me. And it was just, it was just so much. Yeah. And I agree, Connie, like definitely it was a series of events. Like I was only with my partner for four months when I found out I was pregnant. So you can imagine it was like, and I was on the pill and I'd been on the pill since I was 14 and I'm 29 now. So I've never had a scare and to then go to, oh shit, I'm pregnant. And we've only been together for four months. I was then thinking I had fear around him leaving me and then, you know, me, me being on my own but then that was a decision I had to make in case it did happen um but it felt right and you know against everything kind of what I've I felt like I hadn't ticked off things that I wanted to do on my career list or places I wanted to go and see and I couldn't do it with a baby all of these kind of thoughts in my head um I then had to because we we went into the pandemic I had to make a decision whether to live in Essex, where I'm from, or to move to Bromley uh, in Kent, where I'd never even lived. So I upped, moved in with him. And so this was like a whole new world. And I obviously weren't around my family or friends. So I then had to, you know, kind of crack on pandemic hit. And he wasn't even allowed to come into scans. You know, he wasn't allowed to be part of that journey, really. I mean, we're we're lucky enough that we were able to afford private scans, but I just worry for any woman that wasn't able to afford private scans or even now not able to, then their partner is still not allowed to be part of that journey for a lot of hospital trusts, which is just so wrong. And Um, And then obviously I had this idealistic view of how my birth would go. I thought, you know, I really wanted a water birth. I also believe in visualization. So I used to sit in the bath and just believe in, you know, and visualize this, like this amazing water birth with like scenic meditation music and you know everything just going to plan and the baby just coming out kind of like breathing out my baby (laughs) but you know what I actually believe that the system sets you up for thinking that that's okay that's okay to think like that because no one turns around and go yeah okay no nobody does unless it's another mum and because I wasn't having that contact with other mums because you know we're in a pandemic I just assumed that it could happen. And then when it didn't happen and 90 hours later in labor and then ended up in an emergency C-section anyway, um, I honestly, the next day was like, felt like I had been hit by a, a bus after, I think it was quite intense because I'd been through the whole labor process of 
waters breaking, then being induced, then being on a hormone drip, then nearly losing Leo, like his heartbeat, heartbeat completely dropped. Um, and then being rushed into theatre to have an emergency C-section after all of that. The whole thing, I don't want to say this to scare anyone, but I actually wish I knew more about what could happen because I wasn't prepared for anything else. Um, and of course I was pre- prepared for like a vaginal birth, but I never even looked into a cesarean. I never even, I never even thought it was going to be an option. And that's why... I mean, I definitely would say you have to look at all of your options now. But nobody told me that. No one was there to say you should Mm. consider A, B, C, D, Mm. um, not just A and B. Mm. So, yeah, definitely with with that, like everything that happened. And then, uh, you know, all of a sudden having this baby and then he had some real issues. I mean, there's a lot of cesarean um, babies that suffer with like reflux and silent reflux issues as well. Um, And I've got a a dairy intolerance. So it was, he has a a cow's milk allergy, which he was just screaming in pain. But I was fighting with the doctors to, 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 for them to listen to me and there's so many mums that will say the same thing about anything to do with either allergies or reflux it is a fight to get them to listen uh, but you know you have to put your foot down and you have to say you have to use your mother's in- instinct and go I know that there's something wrong this is not right I filmed Leo how bad he was screaming because we're talking pain scream And I just, I went to the doctors on the third time round and I went, I'm just going to show you. I'm not even going to speak. I'm just going to show you exactly what he does. And then she went, okay, I understand. And then she, then I actually was, I know, like it got to that point, but I was at a breaking point. Even my partner, who was like really strong-willed, like he was in the army, so you know, he's got quite kind of like a militant mind. And he, he, even him, he was at breaking point because he was like, we don't know what else to do with Leo. Um, but the system just isn't set up. Another thing to mention, Connie, just talking about the system is your cesarean. I, d- I don't know if this is the same with like normal births, but you're kind of just left to it. And it's major abdominal surgery. And I've had to find out so much about cesarean recovery because there's lots to do with um, tissue, like adhesions start to form and they can cause issues down below. Um, And you're not told any of this. You go away, you've had this abdominal surgery, you get checked a few days after to check if you're healing okay. And that's it. There, There is nothing else. I didn't even get like a a letter um, like a page of information just nothing of course we're lucky we've got the internet but without that I don't know what I would have done and I just think all the women previous that have had issues which have you know there's a lot of women in my dms that go I've had pain down there for so long um finally I went to a woman's physio and I found out that like I just said before there's a thing called adhesions um which can actually form and they're like spider webs that go kind of around your organs um and they can actually cause like a lot of pelvic pain um some issues down below some painful sex like there's so much stuff that we just are not told 
and I f- and I was actually listening to another podcast and it doesn't seem to it to be just a UK thing it seems to be it's happening just kind of everywhere like in all different in all different countries just women are kind of left to it oh okay that there, there you go you've had your baby off you, off your pop there's not enough really there for women after birth I don't think so I have to agree with you I didn't have a c-section but I had pelvic girdle pain I was told to wear a support brace but there was no physio offered to me afterwards and I think even if you don't get pelvic girdle pain there should be some free physio post-birth for every mum there should be a mummy mot Uh, that's actually a um, actual brand um but you should have access to a female physio who can check your body out. I know in Japan, it's a tradition. I mean, I could be wrong, but this is what um, a female physio told me, that a tradition that the the mum or the mother-in-law stays with the family to do all the cleaning and cooking and everything. So the mum literally rests for like six to nine weeks, does nothing. And I think in Scandinavian countries, they are offered physio for like three weeks or something like similar after they've had babies so there's some countries that are on it and they get it but a hundred percent the UK it's like oh women are doing it all the time get on with it you know stop moaning and it's wrong I I got I've never actually spoken about this on Instagram but after I had Macy so I gave birth and then um my placenta and or our placenta and umbilical cord was ridiculously small short thin Ricky didn't even barely have to touch it with the scissors it just snapped anyway and they've gone to pull out my placenta and the umbilical cords come away from the placenta the placenta's gone back up into my into my wounds and uh, that's like an emergency operation so I've got Macy in my arms. The 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 midwife's face is gone. She's made me hand Macy to Ricky, um, who actually hasn't hasn't didn't have any experience with babies whatsoever. Really, that was like the first time. Luckily, my mum was there too, and they rushed me straight into theatre, and my placenta was manually mar- removed, and that really, I think. At the time, I was just relieved to actually be out of that room and just to be on my own in in like a really calm environment. It sounds like it would be really stressful, but they pumped up the epidural so I couldn't feel anything. And I just closed my eyes and they play classical music. And I was like, oh, just this is calm. You know, I've just given birth, labor's over. And I was just on my own in that room. I felt like I was on my own in that room and they were doing whatever they wanted down there, but I couldn't feel it. And actually... I was actually left for a lot of the evening as well in my hospital bed with bloody sheets. I had a catheter in, which was all tangled up. I couldn't reach Macy. I had to really almost pull on it, which was so painful to get to her. It was just, and no one was coming and was ringing the bell. And look, I'm not slagging off the NHS. They are stretched thin. If anything, it's a government problem. And I don't want to get too political, but you know, it, something needs to be done. I was left in those sheets until about five in the morning. Woke up on my birthday, absolutely traumatized by the aftercare. I was neglected. They, they. I actually heard the midwife say, "Oh, it's her second or third baby anyway. She'll, she'll be fine." It was my first child, but because I was more confident than the other mums, because I had some experience with younger cousins and babies, they assumed it, it was my second or third child, and that that meant I would be okay. So that was horrific. And it's made me want a home birth next time, honestly. It's just so I can wake up or once labor's over, I can just get into my own bed or whatever. But so I totally get you. And I totally, totally sim- 
sympathize with you. And I totally agree that it really needs to be looked at and women need to be looked after so much more. Um, giving birth is huge. It's a huge, whatever way you do give birth, it is such a big deal. But because it happens every single day, I don't feel like they care about it as much, as bad as that sounds. No, I think it's really overlooked, Connie, that like the trauma after it. So because you just said, you know, oh, women do this every day, that it's just, it's it's an everyday thing. But actually, it's not an everyday thing that your placenta goes back up you know, into your womb. It's not an everyday thing that you go through 90 hours of labor and then you have an emergency C-section. It's not every day that you lose uh, your baby's heartbeat and think that you've actually lost him. Like it's not every day that (laughs) for any, I mean, whether it's your second or third child, I I hear mums all the time say it was different each time completely different experience so you might have you know a natural birth a water birth the first time but you might have an emergency c-section the second time because of the way the baby's coming out or whatever it is and I think it's just so normalized that oh you've just had a baby but no one actually talks about the trauma that it can cause um and actually going through like you know if when similar to you Connie when after my cesarean I couldn't just get up like I couldn't go to Leo so he was you know crying and screaming next to me I couldn't just get up and similar to you the NHS staff were absolutely rushed off their feet they had so many I mean I had to wait uh 24 hours for a bed when I when I went in to be induced and they were they were rushed off their feet and like I would ring the bell and you just you'd just be waiting. And the thing is, because we were during the pandemic as well, I couldn't have Matt there to help me and support me. So it was down to me. But the NHS staff couldn't come to your beck and call. So you've got a screaming baby and it would take you 15 minutes to get out of bed to help them. And similar to you, I had a cafeteria on in as well. So, yeah, I just it's really overlooked in terms of like the the trauma side of it and like the work that needs to be done after it because it actually your brain is an organ and this is something that we don't speak about that much so your brain is just as important to look after after these things happen because it is a new experience you've been through something quite traumatic and you know yes you've got a beautiful baby after it but like you were just saying there's this mummy MOT that's not happening. There's not, there's nobody saying, <laughs> how are you? <laughs> there's nobody apart from you, Connie, on this podcast. Um, there's, which is really important. It is so important and no one's really doing that. And I do feel very let down. And I'm, I know that we're speaking for a lot of women here, f- feeling very let down by the healthcare system and the way that, they kind of treat after birth like I, I'll never forget my six-week checkup it was like she just wanted me in and out like no I needed to know more more things about when I'm going back onto contraception like is my c-section scar healing I've got pain down there what is that Leo screaming and crying. like there were so many questions but it was like she didn't have time for me I don't know if that was because of the pandemic, but again, it's just the aftercare that it just wasn't there. 
Um, and in terms of like the postnatal depression, it was only because my partner gave me a good talking to at one point and was like, you're not right. You need to sort this out because you're going downhill. And it was only until I kind of had this self-awareness of what was happening that I went, right, I need to get help. I actually need to do this for me and to make sure that I'm I'm good for my partner and my baby. But it wasn't anyone else helping me through that. But I'm lucky that I had a partner that could actually make me help me realize that. Whereas there's a lot of women out there that don't have that. They don't have that support network and they're struggling alone right now or will be because they also don't have the right support from the healthcare system. But maybe that isn't their fault because they just don't have people on the ground to to be doing it. It's a worry because it's like, oh, whose fault is it? And then the government are so occupied with everything else and it's again, but gets put uh, put on the back burner and it's just worrying. And I find it worrying because when you really think about it, children are our future. We're the ones bringing them up. If our mental state isn't right or healthy that can be passed on to the child and that's going to affect how that child's brought up and I don't know what the the statistics are but I'd done a presentation like probably a year ago now for primary schools in the Elian borough where I'm from and one of the statistics was that parents that are suffering from mental health issues I think it was like 60 or 70 percent of the time it's passed on to the child that's really high so if you've got a mother who's got postnatal depression and that depression continues because she's not getting the support that she needs and she's had a traumatic birth and the doctor's not listening because they're so exhausted and spread thin that mental health then passed on to the child and then it's a never-ending cycle so something has to be done and now with this pandemic there's going to be more mental health issues and people with mental health suffering from mental health issues more than ever the government needs to fix up How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Vernon Kay. And I'm Holly Mackay. And we're here to tell you about our brand new podcast, Parenting Past the Pandemic, brought to you by Aviva. Yes, we're going to be delving into a whole heap of parenting topics from the generational gap to online safety. And some of the big topics which have come up through the pandemic, such as helping to manage our kids' anxieties and how we can affect the world they'll grow into. Parenting Past the Pandemic. Find it wherever you found this podcast. I feel like we could talk about this forever and it is such an important topic but I do also want to talk about postpartum body and and body image and those things obviously it's all linked with mental health because again that's you not believing that you're good enough seeing something different in the mirror after you've had a baby that also caused real issues for me because before I had Macy I had just gone on a massive transformation and then I had this baby who again at the same time I was like I felt like I was struggling but but my family could see an amazing mum so it's obviously all in the mind but I also looked in the mirror and thought you've done this to me you know like having a baby has done this to me rather than like this is what happens when you have a baby and it's your body's just evolved and your body needed to do this in order to grow that baby and it's not the baby's fault you know I went through those battles in my head and I know you've shared your own battles so where are you at with your body image and how are you feeling? Yeah so when I I couldn't believe what my body looked like after birth Connie honestly like I was shocked I was just like I didn't know that an overhang existed I because I hadn't seen images of this. I hadn't seen any other mum, really. And because I never really did follow any mum accounts before until now. I mean, literally, my Instagram is just full of mum accounts because they inspire me so much now. And I think we're at this point where people are more able to share postpartum bodies and they're actually feeling more confident showing them. I think up until now, people have been quite scared to share them. And because we've had this view of how our bodies should look after birth. I mean, I thought I'd have stretch marks, but I think the overhang really shocked me. So I was like, whoa. And I just didn't know what to make of it. And actually, I won't lie, I absolutely hated the way I looked. Hated it. And I've always been on a, on this journey of like up and down, up and down with my body. And, you know, <sighs> starving myself a bit like you being on like diet pills and protein shakes and basically not eating at certain points and I finally before I got pregnant was really happy with my body then afterwards I was like I can't believe what's actually happened to it Um, and I had like deep purple stretch stretch marks but as time's gone on I still have the overhang but it has got better it has got better and I am actually just learning to accept it and I think the more you fight your body the more you're unhappy with it and I think you don't always have to get to a positive state of mind like I always say go from new go from negative to neutral don't always go from 
negative to positive because our brains don't work like that. They are, they are conditioned to go to the negative first because it's the kind of fight or flight mode that we're, you know, we're in this survival process. So I just thought, right, I'm now going to reframe my mind. This is something I do in life coaching anyway. You have to reframe your mind. Like, otherwise, you, all, all you're ever going to do is hate your body. And what you're going to do, go through your whole life and get to when you're 80 and you're all wrinkly and go, all I did was moan about my body. And actually, all those years of hating my body during my 20s, I really wish that I appreciated my body for what it was. And actually, I I abused it. I abused it trying to, you know, going, working out like two, three times a day. Like that's absolutely nuts and like not eating properly and because I wanted to be skinny and a bit like you said earlier, Connie, I thought that was going to make me happy and I got to a size six and I was still in that really negative mindset. It was all about mindset and it is always about mindset. It's all about your brain health as well. So I've decided now as I've got a mature, more mature brain that actually no, I'm going to take my body image. Yes, I'm not happy with it and the way that it looks, but I can do things about it. I can wear nice underwear that makes me feel better. It looks better. I can massage really nice oils into my skin, not to get rid of the stretch marks. Like I do use bio oil because I absolutely love it. Like I just love the feeling of it or or I use like skin therapy because it makes it smells really nice. It makes my skin feel really nice. So just doing kind of like small things or like I couldn't look at my scar initially, but now I'm just like, no, that's that's part of me. And it, I think it's just learning to accept it. You don't have to love it. I think when we go from like this, oh, you've got to learn to love your body. No, you don't. I don't. I think that's unrealistic to think like that. You just have to go from like, okay, you've got a negative state of mind about it. Let's reframe it and get it to a more neutral state of mind. So like, okay, I absolutely hate my body. No, I'm going to reframe it and go, okay, I don't like it right now, but I can do things about it to make me feel better or make it look better. I love that approach. I think that's a lot more realistic. I think it's a lot more achievable for so many women out there, including myself, you know, you know, I don't love my body when I look in the mirror, but I appreciate my body for what it does. I know I'm strong. There are parts of my body that I love. You know, I like the shape of my legs. I like, that's about it. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. (laughs) I'm only joking. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? I like, I love my skin tone, uh, my hair, and this is like, and I focus on those things. And then I, like you say, do the things that make me feel better. I like wearing high-waisted underwear. I feel more comfortable in it. I think it's more flattering on me. Um, making sure that I'm wearing the right bra size is really important. It makes your boobs look better. It makes you feel more comfortable. Good products, nice hot bath, uh, showers or baths, whatever it is. And, and actually, at the moment, for me, listening to my body and the fact that actually what I was feeding my body was making me feel really uncomfortable I was really bloated all the time and I was I'm eating so I was I was literally I've had a week of reducing my sugar intake but through this pandemic I've eaten far too much sugar and that just makes me feel tired lethargic you know 
it's not good for me. The levels of chocolate I was eating and I've been there in the past and this pandemic and the, and the uncertainty of all makes me get all like emotional about my eating. So it's like, right. When you're good to your body, your body's good to you. And so I flipped it over. And like you say, I've gone into neutral mode, reducing my sugar intake, increasing my veg, stopping my red meat for fish, you know, reducing my dairy intake. So all those things. And I and it's been a week and I'm already feeling so much better. So I, I am a massive believer that nothing changes if nothing changes. And, you know, you could sit there all day and hate your body and cry about it and and punish yourself or you can do something about it. Yeah, and I think it's all about your state of mind. Like if you're in a good state of mind and you know, you're working on your mindset. Like I don't work out necessarily now just for my body, but I do things to make me feel strong. But I know that it's good for my mental health. So I do it for my mental health. I don't I don't do this thinking right I need to lose this overhang because I think that's unrealistic. It's like okay, if it if it goes along with it, then that's great. But I just need to work with the body that I currently have and not fight against it. And I think a lot of women actually end up hating their body for years because they actually just fight against it rather than accepting it for what it is. But it's really important to put the right things into your body because not just not just for your physical state, again, like your mental state. If you're eating well, then you know, you've got more energy, you feel more lively, you wake up in the morning and you feel better, you feel lighter rather than if you've ate like a whole pack of donuts and you add like McDonald's and don't get me wrong, I love those those things. But if you're constantly consuming bad stuff, then it does have an impact, not just on your physical body, on your mental state as well. For me, the physical and the mental go hand in hand. You've got to look after both. You've got to look after both. You can't say, well, actually, chocolate makes me feel good. I love chocolate. Yeah, I get that. I I mean, yesterday I went for a lovely walk and I had an oat milk hot chocolate. I normally would have had full fat cow's milk, but um, I, I have a feeling that dairy's not agreeing with me at the moment. So I've had an oat milk hot chocolate and I went for a nice walk and it made me feel good. It was comforting. It was lovely. But that versus you know, eating whole bars of chocolate every day. I wasn't doing that. But for example, because you think chocolate makes you happy and it's going to make you happy is where it gets dangerous. So I think, yeah, that's that's a really important message. And Charlotte, you're very inspiring, darling. I must admit, Aww. I love listening to you. Oh, Connie, genuinely, you inspire me though. We're so on the same level when it comes to things like this. This is why mm. I just couldn't wait for us to chat. I can't wait for you to be on my podcast as well, because I know, I can't it's, wait. Yeah, we've just got similar we've got a similar outlook we've got a similar view for sure um just for sure I just wanted to you mentioned something just a minute ago can we just talk about boobs because actually it's something Mm. I've not spoken about on my social media yet at all it's in the background I'm like I need to speak about boobs after birth because I have I just don't see anyone really doing it or talking about it at the moment I haven't found any content around this because everyone focuses on the tummy or the you know the tear in the vagina or you know what's what's going on down there rather than actually people forget to talk about your boobs and of course they go from like this 
they absolutely humongous. I'll never forget day three when they come, like the milk come in. I was like, whoa, like what are these? <laughs> it was like I had this major boob job. I was like, these are great. And then I ha- I mean, I had to stop breastfeeding because I was in hospital for six days and I was kind of forced to because Leo couldn't be with me because of the pandemic. He wasn't allowed mm. in. Oh, long story, but I was basically forced to stop breastfeeding, which come with its own challenges afterwards. I was really upset because I didn't want my journey to end then, but then I ended up just uh, exclusively expressing for quite some time. But they've just gone to shit now. (laughs) Like they went from like, I was like, they just don't stay. They just go from like amazing big boobs to like, oh, what are these? And I just think there's mm. so many weird. I don't know Two about pitter you, breads. Yeah. <laughs> I just think like nobody really speaks about it. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, it's fine. They are what they are. And again, they have stretch marks on them as well, uh, where they went so big. And obviously, you know, they've they've gone, they've lost their volume. Um, but yeah, obviously you do, you do hear women speak about it like peer to peer, but you don't see anyone kind of talking about it on a more social level, but they, they do disappear. And and that's another thing you have to kind of go, oh, okay, I've got to accept this. And then you've got to look for like nice new bras, like a new size maybe as well. Like, I don't even know what size I am now. Um, but yeah, it's just something you mentioned earlier that I just wanted to bring up because I think it's quite also an important thing postpartum body that you need to like kind of accept (laughs) yeah I mean for me with my boobs I've had boobs from like the age of like 12 probably and I had stretch marks on my boob at quite a young age as well about 15 because they grew quite quickly from like you know your first boobs like you just got like tiny little bumps and then by the time I went to high school in year seven I was already a 34c so they grew really quickly and the stretch marks came and they weren't purple stretches, they were white. But so I had to come to terms with stretch marks at quite a young age. And I was using bio oil then to get rid of them because no one else around me had stretch marks because we were so young. And I was probably the, like one out of, I probably had the biggest boobs and everything. Anyway, so I've had a really long journey with my boobs. My weight has fluctuated throughout my life, which has caused more stretch marks and also it causes more sagging. So like you put on weight, your boobs fill out. A lot of people, I put on weight on my boobs if I put on weight. And then when I lose weight, I can lose weight. You lose fat because your boobs are made up from fat and, and muscle and tissue. And so, yeah, my boobs are like not what, I don't even know what my boobs would look like if I didn't ha- go through all of that, all of that journey. And I guess they're a bit of a representation of my journey to where I am. My career is based on, my journey through weight gain, weight loss, health, mental health, self-confidence. So they are probably like the body part that represents that most because I love them because they, I guess I express milk and stuff like that, but they are probably the one as well as my tummy that I struggle with and struggle to accept the most. And I say to Ricky all the time, if I could have one thing of plastic surgery, say if like I did get plastic surgery and it was offered to me, it would be a boob job. I'd like a reduction and I'd like a lift. And that's the honest truth. Whether I ever get that or not, I don't know. Like I'm not like dying for it. And I don't think it's going to solve my issues because like you say, it's in your mind, it's mindset. Um, I obviously want to have more children. Well, not obviously. I would like to have more children. So 
what's the point in me having a boob job now? It's another thing. But I am so with you. And I definitely think it's a conversation that needs to be had. Ashley Louise James is great for talking about boobs. I don't know if you follow her. She talks about boobs a lot. I think boobs are on Instagram a lot more now because of breastfeeding and it's becoming more normal. But when you're breastfeeding, your boobs look so plump and lovely. And it's like a different way of looking at boobs, isn't it? It's not It's not the same as you looking in the mirror or putting on some nice sexy underwear and looking at your boobs. It's, there's two different ways of seeing boobs do you know what I mean I was actually having a conversation with my partner about this because obviously boobs are sexualized and (laughs) I, I, I put up posts with my boobs out and I've never have done that before probably because I also saw them sexualized and when I started breastfeeding they just completely I just completely changed my mind like as in the way that I saw my own boobs and I I was happy to just have them out and I was happy to share on stories and the amount of women that on DMs were like, I'm just so glad that you just sit there breastfeeding and talk to talk to stories. And like, yeah, because it's it's natural. It's absolutely fine. And majority of my audience are women, not men anyway. But I'll never forget when I posted one of them and, and my partner was like, oh, you got your boobs out. I was like, yeah. He was like, no, it's fine. Like, but you've got your boobs out. I was like, yeah, that's okay. I was like, you just see them as two sexual things, those objects, whereas they're not, in my mind, they're not, if they're there at this moment in time to actually feed my baby. So it's a conversation. And I I do think it's becoming much more normalized and we're seeing it more. But needless to say, there is a lot well I mean I did feel uncomfortable when I was breastfeeding outside I still I won't lie and I wish I could confidently say I was okay with it and I was okay with whipping my boobs out but I actually didn't I felt like people were looking and I felt like self-conscious that people were looking so I still think we've got a way to go with that side of things um, and breastfeeding in public. I know from friends, they've also said that they felt uncomfortable still or, or they've had like strange looks from other women as well. Like, where's the sisterhood? <laughs> but it's just a usually a cultural difference as well, because in different cultures, there's, you know, whether you should be covering up or, or not. Um, but it is, I mean, I thought it was going to be the most natural thing on the planet. It was actually a lot harder than I ever thought. Uh, but it is, you know, just like the animal instincts, your milk is there to give to your baby, but somehow boobs have been so sexualized that actually, if you whip them out in public, it just, it's like, whoa, she's got her boobs out. It's not seen as, oh, she's feeding her Mm. baby. Unless you've got someone on our wavelength that's just Mm. has has that view but yeah Mm. there's all different opinions about it isn't there yeah I worry that society's almost gone too far because everything's so sexualized now everything's so sexy there's just sex everywhere so it is a worry for me that we will never be able to get to that point I think there'll always be a divide but it's important that the those that believe it's natural and that want to breastfeed in public comfortably are confident and are supported by the cafes and 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 the restaurants and wherever it is that you might be breastfeeding so that we can try and overcome it or just you know 
I guess we have men to blame for this a little bit. You know, I'm so, <laughs> sorry to say it. So we just have to stay strong as always, as women, always constantly having to be strong, which can be exhausting too. Which leads me on to my last and final question. Well, there is one more after this, but I just really want to quickly touch on career because I know you're a life coach. I know you, you're back to speaking with your clients tell me a little bit more about that how are you feeling about your career your leo's only four months old i went back to work when macy was three four months old too it's a lot to take on talk to me yeah so i am now a life coach qualified life coach and i i want to help women through challenges so that's kind of like my niche in areas of motherhood um mindset confidence body image so it's a passion point of mine and I've been kind of studying in the backgrounds for like over a year now and I was doing it while I was pregnant as well and I just wanted to get back into it and actually give my give myself some purpose Connie because there's only so much baby talk you can do and I wanted to have more adult conversations again so we've managed to kind of like work it between us it is hard juggling but like my days of working are Mondays and Thursdays that's kind of like what we've agreed Um, but I won't lie it's really difficult just to even get like you know, a few hours and then also not have Leo crying in the background. That's quite difficult because obviously my partner would then have to take him out and things like that. But it's good for the mind. Like I genuinely feel like I'm becoming me again and I've got this new identity as a mum, but also as a career woman as well and getting that back on track. Um, But I'm loving it. I'm actually like really enjoying it and feel like it's it's my purpose to help women. It's what I do on my Instagram. It's what I want to do in life. And that's kind of where I want to take it. No, it's amazing. I I think for me, the turning point in becoming like a better mum was having that time for me, for me to build my career, for me to have my independence back. And like you, my passion is to help women, to give women confidence And I think it's for Macy because she's going to grow up to be a young woman and I want her to be a confident one. And, you know, she's so confident and fearless now. I I want that to stay. And I feel like it's down to us to to keep that going. So you should be really proud of yourself and you're doing an amazing job. Your posts are all extremely inspiring and honest and you're helping so many women already. Um, even just through that so this life coaching just I can imagine just suits you so well and I'm so glad that you're you're doing it for yourself I think it's really important I think if any mums are listening here and they feel a little bit lost and they feel like they're just a mum that it's really important that you talk to your partner um, or talk to family um, or you know look into childcare options and not feel guilty about it you're still their mum and it's important for you to still have your own identity and your partner needs to understand that they're work's not necessarily more important than yours that's one thing I've really had to stress you know if anything you're doing two jobs um so you know give yourself some credit and believe in yourself you know absolutely and Connie just to add to that like I think it's really important to sit down with your partner and 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 work out what works for you both like you need to have that conversation I remember getting to a point I mean this was when I was in quite a bad state of mind after birth And I was like, I just need some me time. I need to feel like myself again. And I need to work to do that. 
And I knew that that's what would help me. So we were like, okay, at first we were like, every Wednesday I'll have that afternoon. But I won't lie, there there was times where I felt mum guilt as well, where I was like, oh, but I should I should be doing that. I should be with with him. But it is really important. We're in 2020, 2021. <laughs> I nearly said 2020 then. I feel like the year's <laughs> just... <laughs> um, yeah, we're no, in 2020. No, God. <laughs> We're in 2021 and I, I mean, I'm, I have clients as well also struggling to actually have those conversations with their husbands because they're considered the stay-at-home mum because they're on maternity leave, but they want to work on their business ideas. Well, they also need to have that option. They need to get, and do you know what? You can work it as in, okay, on Mondays, I'm working all day but I'll do bath time. And then why don't, why don't your partner do bath time three days a week so that you can crack on with work? Like you do have to work it out between you. It's not easy. And, you know, the men do struggle a lot more than women. Somehow we just manage to juggle it. Um, And if you can't get childcare, especially during like the pandemic, then it's really important to have those conversations and just to say, okay, I need this time. This is my hours. What's your hours so that I can look after? Because like you said, Connie, it's not it's not about the women having more of a responsibility. I do genuinely think that we take it on anyway, naturally, but it's really important, I think, now that we actually do have a system or something that works for you both and that you have like an open conversation about it. It's not, you shouldn't be afraid to talk to your partner and say, can you do bath times or can you do um, an hour or two on this day? Because I need that for myself. That's really important. Yeah. I mean, you both chose to have the baby at the end of the day. Um, it's both your child. You're both parents. Your husband's not a babysitter. Your boyfriend's not a babysitter and vice versa. So for me, I pick and choose my arguments Arguments can be healthy sometimes in a relationship. And for me, a conversation like that is worth an argument if it's going to lead to becoming an argument because it's a really important one. I know that that might sound really dramatic, but some for me, like if, if I felt like right, this was going to get heated and he wasn't going to understand, it's worth me being passionate about it. And it's worth me being assertive about it because it's really important that we get this balance right as parents because we've both chosen to have this child and oh, to be the best mum that I can be, I need that hour three days a week to get this, this and this done, you know? It doesn't even have to be work. It can just be an hour for you, you know? At the moment, I work two full days a week, but I also obviously work full-time because of social media being full-time. And I also work for my brother in the evenings doing his customer service. And, you know, Ricky will help me do bath and bedtime most of the time he does that and then on the weekends he's around and if I need to get any content done on the weekends that I haven't got done in the week then that's when I have to do it you know and it works for us but yeah you're right have that conversation work work out a system that works for you both and I'm gonna round it up with our final question it's so nice speaking to someone who's like the same as me on so many levels it makes you it just reassures you because you don't see anyone at the moment you're in a pandemic you're locked in your house and you're like is it just me but speaking to you is like 
definitely made me feel a lot more relaxed so thank you so much for that oh no Connie it's been absolutely amazing so yeah go go for it with your last question so the final question that I ask all my guests is what piece of advice would you give your younger self one piece of advice that I'd give to my younger self would be to just relax a bit more that it's okay because I stressed way too much I Oh God, Connie, this is a really difficult question. Wait, <laughs> let me let me uh, think about it. Sorry, I should have known. I listened to your podcast. I should have known this one was coming. I just like <laughs> it thrown me a little bit. That's a good one though, because I think I'm not even going to talk because it will just we'll carry on for another hour. No, do you know why? Because I was it's it's thrown me because I I was such a complex character. You know, I've I grew up with a lot of childhood trauma a lot of issues and then that led into a lot of negative patterns a lot of really bad mindset conditioning that ended up in really awful abusive relationships so like I I was in this this negative pattern negative cycle so I was quite a complex character I think looking back at myself I I I would just say to say to her you didn't need to make it so complex like it's okay to feel your feelings it's okay to have emotions and I wish I could have said to her you were like a boiling pot because you constantly kept putting the lid back on your emotions constantly tried to control them constantly tried to keep them all within and actually in hindsight, now being a life coach, I know that it's really important to let them out, not fight emotions, that it's okay to feel. And it's actually your first thought is automatic because of your conditioning, Connie. But it's your second, third, fourth, fifth, however many thoughts afterwards is what you can actually control and how you react to it. So I wish that I knew what I knew, what I know now, but I wish I could just say to her, it was all going to be okay because I used to get real anxiety and worry that I was going to be on my own, that I was always going to be with awful men and in bad relationships because I had daddy issues. But no, and it's all worked out really well. And I always say as well, peace begins with you. Like one thing that I I do is I will always say peace begins with me. Peace begins with me because actually everything else can be out of your control, but everything that you do is within your control. And like I said, not your first thought because that's automatic. You can't do anything about it. So say if you get angry about something that's instant, it's because you've been conditioned in that way. It makes you react in that way, but you can take a step back. You can go, okay, do I need to react to it like this? No, I don't. Is it true? No, it's not. What evidence do I have to support this? I don't. Because usually, like, that's our negative thinking pattern. It will, like, spiral out of control. 
But yeah, I wish that I could just say to my younger self that it was all going to be okay, that I didn't need to be such a, an emotional, erratic person, but it's it's all good. And, you know, I'll come out the other side. <laughs> a, a long answer, but a really good one. Thank you so much, Charlotte. I've loved speaking, you, speaking to you. And I'm going to do a massive shout out on my Instagram for people to follow you because they really need to. Thanks so much, Charlotte. No. Oh, thank you, Connie, for having me. Honestly, lots of love. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market